Christmas. So good to see all of you. Hope you had a wonderful day today. I know I did. I thank God for all the blessings that I had today, but because I had such a wonderful day, I can stand before all of you and say that it isn't always easy to remember that today is Christ's birthday. He's so busy enjoying the gifts and the food and the family and all the blessings that he's given us that you don't mean to push them to the side, but it takes some conscious effort to stop and say, oh yeah, it's Christmas. It's Jesus' birthday. This is what we're celebrating. Uh, so I am somewhat selfishly thankful that it is on a Sunday, because being on a Sunday, you start his birthday in his house, you end his birthday in his house. I can't think of a better way to celebrate Christmas. Uh, but having said that, I do get a little, I don't want to say annoyed, I don't think God's upset. He wants to see us enjoy all the blessings he's given us. Um, but when you think about it, if we're not the ones who are really going to celebrate Christmas, who is? You know, the, the world can't celebrate Christmas. They do, but they can't. Even the words Merry Christmas just means something different to them. Merry Christmas just means I hope you have a great holiday. I, you know, I hope that uh, everything goes well for you. It's just a nice general greeting that, let's be honest, for the most part has nothing to do with Christ. Um, and I think that's, I don't know, that's become more and more sensitive to my heart, I think, because I remember years ago when there was that whole war on Christmas you know, in the stores were saying, don't say Merry Christmas, say Happy Holidays. And, you know, Christians and conservatives got all up in arms and don't take our Christmas away from us. And I know it was meant with good intentions, but I was, I was sharing with Mike the other day that more and more, I just don't, if I'm not around other Christians, I don't feel that much conviction to say Merry Christmas. I will, don't get me wrong, but whether it's Merry Christmas, whether, you know, with the kids, have a great break. I teach, for those of you who don't know that, you know, hope you have a wonderful holiday. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just because when people do say Merry Christmas, like I was just watching TV today and the guy said Merry Christmas and I'm like, oh, I just wish you knew what that meant. I really wish you could understand. And I know. I know God has to speak the truth to their heart. I understand that. Um, but what I want to do tonight is just share something that God's been laying on my heart. It's, I've preached it already, so it's not going to be anything new to you. He just keeps laying it on my heart. And mostly because I teach. And because, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, how many, you know how many kids you could say Merry Christmas to? You know how many kids you could, but they know, you know, they know I'm an elder in a church. They know they don't curse in my class. Like, I don't think they need those two words to know. But at the same time, I know that I can never take for granted what they see in me and, and what I have to be ready to do. So a lot of you aren't going to be surprised to see this verse go on the, the screen. Uh, but it's First Peter 3.15. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, is that the first thing you think of when you think of a Christmas verse? I've got to assume no. But oh my goodness, if we can't make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in us on Christmas, <laughs> then when can we do it? Okay, I mean, you know, I, again, I hope I didn't give the wrong impression. It's not like I'm purposely not saying Merry Christmas. Of course, I'm always looking for those opportunities. But those two words, they ring hollow until the person, you know, I don't know, God brings that person into your life who wants to know what you mean by Merry Christmas or comes up to you and says, do you celebrate Christmas? Or those are the things that speak to me. Other people, you know, we're all wired differently. And some people just, you know, ring bells and say Merry Christmas. That's awesome. I'm more of a First Peter 3.15 kind of guy. You know that. That when God does give me the opportunity, I want to be ready. I want to be able to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason 
for the hope that's in me. So that's kind of the focus of my sermon tonight, and I will tell you it's going to be somewhat interactive, so just be ready. You know I like to put little twists on nights like tonight. Um, but before I focus on the middle of that verse, I cannot ignore the beginning and the end. All right, I'm not going to focus on the beginning and the end, but oh my goodness, do we have to know that that center, that be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you, is surrounded by, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Many people who were fighting for Christmas weren't fighting for Christmas. It was an ideological fight. It was, a, to be honest, a pride fight. How dare you tell me I can't say Merry Christmas? It really had nothing to do with Christ being holy in their heart. Okay, whether you say Merry Christmas or whether you don't, it, if Christ is holy in your heart, that's where the defense should be coming from. It shouldn't be coming from that inner lawyer or that how dare you tell me. But no, we just want Christ to be glorified. And that's why the verse ends with, I love it, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I love that. Yet do it with. It's almost as if Peter knew when he was writing it. Always be ready to make a defense to anyone, but this can get ugly. Listen, make sure you're doing it with gentleness and respect. How many of us, we label it defense of the gospel, but what it really is is we're ticked off. We want the mic for a second. You've had the mic too long. I've had to listen to you. Now listen to me what I think. And he's like, no, no, no. Regard in your heart Christ the Lord is holy. And with gentleness and respect, prepare yourself to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So that's my title tonight is just be ready. Okay, that's what God spoke on my heart. Be ready, and I figure it's a good title because <laughs> there's so many things we're told to be ready for. We're told to be ready for his coming. We're told to be ready for persecution. We're told to be ready for opportunities for good works. And in this verse, we're told to be ready to defend the hope that is in us. Okay, so I'm going to pray, and we'll uh, just spend a little bit of time, kind of a short sermon, and then hopefully encourage each other with uh, some interaction. Lord, I do thank you um, for this day, of course. I mean, we thank you for every day. Lord, it's, it's, we know your son wasn't born in December. We're not really stopping to celebrate his birthday as much as just the awesome thought that you sent him to this earth to die an innocent man for, for the guilty. Lord, we know that Christmas is simply supposed to point us to Easter. We, we know that, but we thank you for sending him here. We thank you for the beauty of the story. We thank you for what Pastor already shared this morning, just the facts of it and, and, and what went into what we really do kind of uh, glamorize now, Lord, but it, it wasn't easy. And yet it was exactly what you wanted, when you wanted it. And yes, it is our honor to take every December 25th and stop. And thank you for that and to give you all the glory you deserve. So Lord, I thank you for what you've laid on my heart, but you know that I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what you've laid on others as well. And we just give this night to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you might have saw the first slide already. It kind of makes sense. If we are going to talk about being ready or being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks for the hope that is in you, there kind of has to be a hope in you. Agreed? You cannot defend a hope that you do not have. So that's the first question I hope we ask ourselves tonight. Do we have hope? And there's kind of two ways to take that question. The first way is, are you saved? If you are not a child of God today, you can hope. You just can't have hope. I hope you know the difference. When you're hoping for something, you're crossing your fingers, and if things go your way, you're happy. If they don't, oh, well, I tried. 
When you have hope, it's a done deal already. So you cannot have hope if you're not a child of God. If you think you do, you're fooling yourself. If you think you have hope in your bank account, you have hope in your health, you have hope, I don't care, fill in the blank, anything you want, we all know that can be taken away like that. That you're hoping he doesn't take it away, but you don't have hope in those things. You're fooling yourself. You have to be a child of God to have hope, but just because you're a child of God, I got to word this right, yes, you have hope, but it doesn't mean you have hope. That was a good one, right? Pastor talked about it this morning. He used the word joy instead of hope, but they're interchangeable. He talked about the joy of Christmas, and he said, do you have the joy of Christmas? And every Christian should be like, well, duh, of course I do, but do we? I mean, let's be honest. Life gets difficult. We experience trials, burdens. It is said that what should be the best day for a Christian all year is sometimes the most hectic and craziest time for us, and we're almost glad when it's over. You don't want to admit that, but that's the reality of it. So when we ask, do you have hope? I I don't know all of you in here. I don't know if all of you are saved. I don't know if all of you have accepted Christ as your Savior. And if you haven't, then I know why you're here, to hear that you haven't. You don't have hope. Approach me later. I will gladly discuss it with you. But those of us who have it, do we have it? Are we living in it? Are people asking us about it? Because let's be honest, why would somebody ask me for the reason that the hope that's in me if they don't even know there's hope in me? Is that hope obvious? Is that hope powerful? Is that hope something that is driving our lives and getting us through the difficult times and praising him through the good times? Again, a Christmas sermon? Well, why not? Why wouldn't we take the day that we celebrate Christ's birth to be a moment where we stop and say, oh, you're right, I have hope. Oh, yeah, this might not be going my way. And oh, my goodness, I didn't see that coming. But I have hope because Jesus, uh, God sent his son to this earth to die for my sins. So just some encouragements. This isn't a long sermon on purpose. Just some encouragements in the area of hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. I'm well aware that was written to the Israelites in the Old Testament. I am well aware that there is a context to there. All I want to take from that is that God said, I want to give you a hope. Usually, hope comes from within. The world says you have to be the power of positive thinking. That's where hope comes from. Or you got to be an optimist. you got to see the glass half full. Come on, we can do this. God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you a hope. You understand, this isn't on you trying to figure out a good way to look at things and and be optimistic. No, no, no. I'm going to give you a hope. Pastor read the verse this morning, 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't know when I started putting Christmas and Easter together. I get it that they're the beginning and the end, but there were always two different holidays because, hey, you get gifts at one and you go looking for eggs at the other, right? But, oh, my goodness, Christmas, 100% points to Easter. The hope that we have because God sent his son to this earth is because of the hope that we have in the resurrection of that same baby from the grave. I know I shouldn't say that. Most of us. I know we know it. 
But I also know we can get beat up pretty good, and that can kind of get pushed a little bit to the back of the mind. And yeah, it's there, but I haven't really been resting in its power lately. Let's rest in its power. In fact, Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. I'm not discounting those things, but just rejoice in hope. That's so backwards. Uh, No, no, John, I hope for something, and then once I get it, that's when I rejoice. No, that's not what God's saying. God's saying rejoice in the hope. Your hope is not a crossing your fingers kind of hope. It's a confident expectation that he will do what he says he will do. He will do what he has already done. We can rest in that. On Christmas and on every other day, we have a hope that the rest of the world cannot have. But do we have it? I really hope you know what I mean by that. Again, are people even considering asking you to defend the hope that is in you? Do they even see a hope in you? Thanks a lot, John, because my life's bad enough it is, and now i got to feel bad about... No, 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 no. I thank God that he always covers every base. Always. God's not pointing his finger at us saying, stupid, don't you know you already have hope? Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. It's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, we wouldn't be turning to God for it. But he is the God of hope. I know that's that's the perfect title for an evangelistic message. I get it. The world needs to know about the God of hope, but his children need to be reminded too. This is not an easy world, especially now, to to survive, never mind thrive. And yet God's there saying, yeah, but your hope is in me. I am the God of hope. I made you born again to a living hope. I have given you the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can abound in hope. So if you're sitting there right there and, you know, well, John, I get it. My life's awesome right now. I got all the hope I need. Tuck this in your back pocket, because you're probably not going to stay there. It's called life. And when things get difficult, the church is there for you. We are there for you. The body is there for you. But more importantly, God is there for you. He's there for any unbeliever who wants to come. That's why I'm glad those doors are open on a Sunday night, especially on Christmas. But oh my goodness, there's one thing to try to convince somebody about the hope that God wants to give and remind his own children that we have it. I know I need the reminder sometimes. Not that I doubt it. I just get so caught up in the craziness of life that I got to stop and say, you know something? What's going on? That's how the Gentiles live. That's what the Gentiles worry about. Rest in his hope. Question number one, do you have hope? Question number two, if you do have hope, can you defend it? That's a little bit where we're going to be going soon, just warning you now. Can you defend it? The verse tells us to be prepared. It wouldn't say that if it came naturally. I did not have to prepare myself to pig out at Christmas. You understand? That came quite naturally to me. When someone says to prepare yourself for something, it means by definition, you've got to make sure you're in the right place. You've got to be that willing and able servant. We've got to put in the work to make sure that we are prepared to defend to anyone who asks us a reason for the hope 
that is in us. Can you defend it? First of all, in the context of the verse, to others. Can you defend it to others? It's one thing to say, yeah, no, I, I believe Jesus is this. And someone says, oh, really, why? Because uh, my pastor says so. That's not going to cut it. Can you defend it? It's called apologetics. If you're anything like me, you spent most of your life thinking that that was some kind of apology. I Honestly, I did not grow up with that word. I'm just telling you, I grew up a Christian. I did not grow up hearing that word. But apologetics are reasoned arguments or writings in justification of something, typically a theory or religious doctrine. It is the study of being able to defend your faith. That's what I'm, one of the many things I'm thankful about this church. We don't just want, we don't, just trust me. Don't worry. Trust me, it's in there somewhere. No, we want you to grow in your faith. We want you to be able to defend your faith. We want you coming up to us and saying, yeah, but in Jeremiah, doesn't it say? And then we can reason together. And iron can sharpen iron. If you don't have hope, of course you can't defend it. But if you have hope, can you defend it? And yes, can you defend it to the world? I get it. But listen to 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. This is Paul writing to Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Well, John, he's obviously talking about unbelievers there because they don't want to hear it. Ever hear of a book called Galatians? It was written to an entire body of believers who put their hope in the law. Ever hear of Thessalonians? They got two books. Both of which were written to believers whose hope were in what they thought the end times were going to look like. You ever hear of a man named Jude? He wrote a book at the end of the Bible, but it's not the book that he planned on writing. He actually wanted to write one and then said, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, in other words, just talk about how awesome it is to be children of God, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend or defend the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. This isn't just an us-against-them problem. Do you understand? It's an us problem. There are too many Christians today who do have hope. They'll tell you they have hope, and then they tell you what they have hope in. Pastor preaches about it all the time. And you say, where in the world are you getting that from? I'm not going to doubt their salvation. Not all of them, you know what I mean. Any more than Paul doubted the Galatians. It is so possible for us to say, oh yeah, I got hope. My hope is in this. And meanwhile, you've got no verses to back that up. <laughs> you've got no biblical reason. It's just you heard someone say it or it makes sense to you. Or we got to be really careful. There are plenty of people out there living in a false hope. And they can defend it. They just can't defend it with Scripture. <laughs> So to me, that's not much of a defense. So when I ask, can you defend it? I'm asking, can you defend it to the world when that opportunity arises? When they come up to you and say, yeah, but do, do you feel, not that you're some deep theologian, but 
you know, you, you can defend what you say you believe to the world, to the body, because iron sharpens iron. And we're never so, I mean, the Bereans made sure what Paul was saying was true. But mostly to yourself. When you go home tonight and you think about, I mean, it'll still be Christmas. <laughs> I'm not going to preach till midnight, I promise. You go home, it'll still be Christmas. You, you can still take part of Jesus' birthday and say, Lord, you know something? I think I always thought this, but actually, you've been laying on my heart lately. That's not what Scripture says, is it? I think I'm going to be emailing pastor tomorrow. I don't know. But can you even defend it to yourself? Or are there certain things that you've just always heard? Made sense to you. So you take your stand on it, and this is what I believe, and then someone asks why, and you look inside yourself. Actually, I don't know why. Okay, 2 Timothy 2.15 reminds us, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That was written to Timothy, a pastor. I get it. You see me after if you think that that doesn't relate to every single Christian in the body of Christ. That we are all to rightly handle the word of truth. We are all to take it, learn it, and be able to defend what we've learned to the outside, to the inside, and to us as well. That's the heart, I believe, of what 1 Peter 3.15 is saying. Yes, defend it to those who ask you for a reason, which will probably be out there. But the way that you're able to answer out there is because you're able to answer in here. And you're able to answer in your own heart so that when that curveball comes out of nowhere and you never thought that person was going to ask you that question, you're ready. You can answer it. And if you have the hope and you can defend it, then what's the only question left? 633, I'm done already, see? What's the only question left? Come on, Sue. I got hope in me and I can defend it. So what's the last thing? Am I doing it? That's it. Do you defend it? Do you defend the gospel of Christ? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, John, I can't do it if nobody asks. Okay. Again, you, maybe you could. It depends if God lays something on your heart. I'm talking personally. Do you know that when those opportunities arise, you step up to the plate or you step to the side? Because I can't do it or because I don't really want to do it? I don't know, but Christmas is one out of 365 awesome days to get better at it. <laughs> Just one of them, but why not pick Christmas to get better at it? That we do know that we have a hope and that we can defend it because we're growing in his word and we're listening to the spirit and we're in prayer and we're just not the people that we were a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. We are getting more prepared to defend it. Well, then God will choose in his sovereign wisdom when the opportunity comes so that you can defend it. And to be honest, it's different for all of us. If I was God, oh my goodness, I'd be picking the John Oches of the world to defend it all day because that's right up my wheelhouse. And it seems like nobody ever wants to. <laughs> Every chance I get, they're like, okay, whatever you say. I, I don't know. I don't know. But it, it doesn't matter. Just, I think I'm ready. I think I, well, I, I know I can. I think I want to. Just, Lord, here am I. So that's what we're going to do tonight. I don't know how long this is going to take. It's not going to take 25 minutes, I don't think. But you are all going to get the opportunity, if you have a hope in you, and you feel you can defend it, then you're going to get the opportunity to do so. We're just going to have a little bit of fun. 
we're, we're among family here, okay? But I have 10 questions written down that I feel are very common. The world would ask this, or maybe a new believer would ask this, or maybe you've asked it to yourself. And I'm curious. If you were asked this question, what answer would you give? <laughs> 